Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Simon Hodgkins, and I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Hemingway. Jason is a technology and business leader. He has a rich background in B2B marketing with over 20 years of experience, uh, during which has played a pivotal roles in companies like Thunderhead, Intralinks and Dow Jones Newswires. Jason is the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer at Phrase, the localization suite that helps you to automate, manage, and translate all your content into the languages that your audience speak, and of course, the experiences they live. Jason, you're very welcome to Vista Talks today. Thanks, Simon. Nice to see you. Well, look, let's let's get on with the show. Uh, you've been the Chief Marketing Officer of Phrase for over a year now, I think, at this stage. Can you tell anyone, everyone a little bit about your background? Why did you join Phrase and what, what are you involved in there? Yeah, so um, look, as you quite rightly said at the beginning, I've been in B2B technology marketing for, uh, God, it's 20 years now, which is sort of depressing in a way, but good in many ways, which means I have quite a bit of experience in B2B, mostly in uh, technology. Uh, in fact, all of those companies that you listed at the beginning, they're all technology driven businesses. Um, and most recently in the MarTech space, um, which kind of leads led me sort of to phrase in an interesting way. The MarTech space is all about customer engagement and personalization in a lot of cases. And what attracted me when I sort of thought about phrase was um, or when the opportunity for phrase came up was, when we talk about marketing technology, we all talk about um, how you build customer engagement, how you build personalized relationships with customers. Yet lots of times we miss a trick with kind of localization. Localization comes towards the sort of end of that process. And so I was sort of intrigued by an industry which I didn't really know too much about. Obviously, as a marketer, you kind of know a bit about it, but not a huge amount. And so it really interested me on that kind of tailwind of, you know, if brands are looking more at how they build better relationships with customers and how they market to them more effectively and how they service them more effectively, then why isn't localization kind of a bit more on the agenda as a strategic driver of growth? So that's the first thing, those kind of tailwinds coming in. And then, you know, as, as the opportunity for phrase kind of came across my, my eye line, I guess you look at the, the technology business, and you sort of think, well, OK, technology is firmly playing a part in uh, localization now, more so than ever. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit later about some of the AI related activity, which is just going you know, haywire at the moment. But I think that the business was kind of a, a point of inflection itself, as well as the kind of market. So when I joined, one of the first projects that I came in to do was really unify the brand because we were formerly Memsource, which some of your listeners may completely know about. Um, and, and Phrase. So Memsource was really, really well known in the TMS space. Uh, Phrase was really well known in the software space. So it's kind of bringing those two um, businesses together and unifying them under one brand name. Ironically, we actually chose the, the, the uh, name Phrase, which is um, one of the businesses. Um, and that was all down to the CEO at the time and the founder, David Chanak of Memsource, who decided to as part of the brand redevelopment program that that phrase was actually a good name that we we, we should probably go with that it probably meant a little bit more um to lots of different people and as localization expands beyond perhaps its realms as it is doing now its traditional realms 
I guess um, phrase is a bit more of, of kind of a, an accessible name for people to use. So the first exercise was there was the rebrand. That's quite exciting for a CMO to come in and look at. Um, and the other thing was uh, at the same time was the technology itself unifying it as this kind of platform between, you know, and you, you mentioned at the beginning, we have what we call the phrase suite. And that was launched literally after a month after I joined. And the phrase street suite is really about this, how do you deliver for a business an end-to-end localization platform from a technology perspective, not a services point of view, but how do you unify what is ultimately, in lots of cases, a fragmented process with lots of different technologies? How do you bring that together? How do you offer an enterprise a, a sort of single hub where they can go, okay, well, I need to localize my website, my apps, my product, but also all the content maybe legal documentation, all of that. How do you service that entire need from a from a platform point of view? And that was a really interesting piece. And, and one of the things that really attracted me was a, a unified platform to manage any and all localization or even to the layperson translation um, across any part of the business. And that's really the sort of central premise of the, the phrase suite and really what, um, what drove me to sort of think that this was a good place to start. Now, as, as it turns out, in the last sort of 12 months, you said, what, what have I been up to? Well, so the, the first were kind of baptism of fire, you know, jumping in at a rebrand and jumping in at a product launch. It's like, okay, what else do you want? But but as we sort of get into it, um, we have this thing called Cadence, which is a quarterly uh, release where we, we release things in the product all the time, but we kind of group them together when we announce stuff into what we call a Cadence. And the Cadence is kind of unifying um, a unifying message, a unifying thing that the business can get around, around what are we developing and what are we launching every quarter. So it's, it's something that our customers come to expect. And it's a good way of showcasing innovation that we're, we're doing every month. And we do a lot of that. And um, so that's been, I mean, I work on Cadence quite a lot. It's a messaging piece. I'm also working on thought leadership because there's lots of changes as we're going to talk about in the market and, and really just trying to stay abreast and, and guide the marketing kind of um, function, which is a, a big driver of growth for our business. And what, one of the things I'm really, really happy with as a CMO is the, is the level that uh, marketing gets uh, in terms of its visibility and its seat at the sort of executive table. We have an executive leadership team and marketing is, is firmly one of those. So I think as a marketer, you're always keen to sort of get your voice heard. Oftentimes we, you can be the voice of the market and you can be the voice of the customer. And I think that's a, that's a great place to be for a CMO. So that's sort of what I've been up to. Lots of different things. And we'll get into a bit more of that in a minute, I suppose. But um, yeah, lots, lots of things in what is really just over a year. Lots going on, Jason. And from that uh, baptism of fire, which I'm sure is a a well-worn um, experience for many CMOs joining a new company when there's so much going on, uh, but also some great opportunities, I think, to shape and to craft that story and to help uh, phrase as it is now uh, under the rebrand. And just before we move off that topic a little bit, because um, I do want to talk about the new partnership that phrase has just announced in a moment, but the, the, the suite, if you like, you have phrase translate, phrase language AI, and you also um, have this sort of phrase orchestra. So what, what's the different layers to that? How, how does that work? Yeah, so, so, so essentially with the phrase suite, you have lots of different capability sets, right? So if you think, I talked at the beginning about the, the standard TMS and the, the kind of software development platform, but there's a whole piece that we, we roughly call the AI hub sort of area where we have lots of AI driven initiatives because we've actually been doing AI related machine learning and things like that for the last five years. So 
it's just accelerated, I guess, is one of the sort of key things for us. But we had Phrase Translate, as, as you kind of kind of mentioned, which is our MT aggregation sort of platform uh, or, or capability part of the, the, the Phrase suite. But as things evolved, we wanted to sort of think about, well, and we focused very heavily on how we build AI to add scale and, 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 and capability for our customers as people look to it. And we wanted to think of a more contemporary way of sort of describing that. So Phrase Translate, we rebranded to, to, to be the sort of collective term for all of our AI and ML and MT related capabilities. And really why we called it language AI was to reflect the future direction because phrase translate is kind of, you know, it, it does what it says on the tin kind of thing. But actually what we want to do is think about, well, the future is going to be AI driven and it's all about AI being used in language. So let's use this collective noun of phrase language AI for all of those kind of developments that sit under that kind of MT related or ML or AI kind of grouping. It just felt a bit more future future facing for us as well as it's a good home for some of those capability sets that we develop to be, be delivered in there so you've got that core element it's kind of a, a a middle piece of the phrase suite so it's how do you use some of the more traditional pieces of of, of capability in the tms and the software localization the strings product people who, who are developers will know exactly what that kind of side of things are but how do you add that in as a capability set in amongst the phrase suite. So basically there's a, 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 a set of auto select tools, empty aggregation, quality performance me metrics that you can put in the middle. It's kind of the middle piece of the phrase suite. And then you talked a little bit about orchestrator. So the big thing there is, you know, you've got all of the MT side of things and how you aggregate that and choosing the right engines for the job at hand. But the other side of things is, well, how do you orchestrate the workflows and all of the things that happen in a complex kind of, um, localization environment. So how do you manage those projects? How do you manage routing of certain things to either machines or humans or, you know, how do you deal with that kind of um, scaling issue? Well, you probably need to build in automation and automation is lots of times around how you build workflows. So one of the things we launched back in February was the phrase orchestrator, which is a drag and drop, low, no code kind of way of thinking about. If, if you've got any marketers on the call, they'll know it from, you know, things like Eloqua or HubSpot, those, you know, email workflows that you do with the, the, the branches. It's exactly the same principle. You drag and drop kind of workflows. If this go there, if that go to that direction. And it just helps streamline operations. And I think as we look towards the future, streamlining operations and, and dealing with what I think will be a, a cascade of content coming at localization teams from all sorts of angles as people get more used to generating their own content. And that can be from consumers or even internally to the business. How do you scale your localization operations so you can do that efficiently, compliantly in lots of businesses so you don't have kind of what we call shadow localization happening across the business, which isn't ratified or secure or is giving away IP in places. So how do you do that? Well, you need to have a, uh, you need to use AI to, to add scale and start thinking about, well, what's the what's the quality that, of the, this sort of stuff? Are we selecting the right engines? Ultimately, quality sits at the heart of it. You want to rely on the fact that the stuff that you're producing is, is all to a certain level of quality. And if it does have a kind of exception, it goes to a certain place or if it's of a certain quality or machine qualities that can go that way using your workflow tools. Or if there's an exception, we need it to go to a human to review, then that workflow goes there. The trick is not to make the human have to do too much from a business point of view until it's necessary, right? Until you really need it. So 
what we're really enabling is this idea of AI and workflow actually leads towards helping brands scale and actually deal with the scale that's going to be hitting people. And, and, and I think if you look at traditional approaches, one of the dangers of the, tra the traditional models, if you don't start using technology, is um, that you can be overwhelmed by the amount of stuff as a localization team, you can be overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that's expected of you. The business will be asking you questions about how, how are you using AI and all of those kind of things. And then ultimately, you've got to do it without breaking the bank. You've got to do it without bankrupting the business because the processes you might have could be hugely costly. They could be labor intensive and they could be massively um, laborious. So you need to look at automation and um, how you use that. In, in, in conjunction with AI, they're kind of synonymous in a way. You use one with the other to make sure that you can deal with all of those things that mean that you can scale your operation to meet the demand. And the demand, by the way, is driven mostly by the customer, not necessarily internal. I mean, customers can be internal customers as well as external, but customers will start expecting brands to do this. They will start expecting that your content is in the language they speak whenever they interact because people will be doing it. And, and if you can get in there early, you've actually got a competitive advantage as well, I think. So it also means that you can get to markets quicker. You can you can build customer engagement more easily if you speak the language. I mean, it sounds so fundamentally obvious, but we always talk about things like personalization, Simon, in marketing. I always think, uh, as a UK guy, and I've worked for American businesses as well, when we think personalization, everyone thinks in English, always. They always think, oh, how am I going to personalize this to your needs and that? But they don't think about, well, firstly, if I'm going to personalize it, shouldn't I be thinking about the language you speak to start with? <laughs> Because there's no point personalizing English because it already feels sort of distant if I don't speak English my first language. So anyway, that, that's the so, sort of sides of the, of the argument there. So I sort of deviated away from where all those tools are, right? But the key thing there, I think, is how do you help businesses use some of those 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 um, AI-related tools that we've built? We also um, announced, and, and I think you mentioned it, was this custom AI, which is a sophisticated environment for training your own models, so it's not necessarily that you have to go to LLMs or you have to go necessarily to use different, you know, um, major, um, you know, translation engines. You can actually develop your own custom model and engine and train that. Now, uh, the question of how, how far that goes and where, where LLMs play, that's still working out. But I think that is another option that we've given people and that and people are using that because obviously if you're train, training your own models and using your own data and your own um, people to look at it, then you, you can actually build a model that's highly sophisticated and tailored to your business. So that's well, one of Jason, the other things. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I really do like what you've done there in terms of, uh, I suppose, that rebrand ultimately, um, the way you've sort of positioned it as phrase language AI, you've got phrase custom AI and phrase orchestrator. And I really like the phrase orchestrator as well, because as you quite rightly say, the content's coming in from everywhere. The requests are coming in from everywhere. We've got AI running through everything now. And so being able to manage that in that, you know, if that, do this. And making sense as well of this whole MT, ML, AI, growing content world that we're involved in. Uh, it, it's a really great, look, you have these sort of three building blocks, if you like, through phrase to be able to help you through that in terms of what you need. So thank you for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that with our audience today. Um, it does bring me on to the next thing I wanted to bring up though, and I have to bring it up because Phrase and VistaTech recently announced a big partnership. Uh, Phrase helps companies as we know, 
to accelerate that global growth. It gives people the content they need, you know, in the languages that they speak, as I said earlier. So why is, what, what is it about this VistaTech partnership? Why is this important to phrase? Well, it's interesting. It's it, some of it's a, a little bit more of a formalization of things that we're doing. Um, you know, we've been working together. I think you know, from what I can remember, since twenty nineteen. So we're we're sort of working together, and 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 Vistatech use phrase technology solutions as part of your LSP operations, right? So that's that's already going. But the, the key thing now is to sort of formalize that, and 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 I think the key element for me was the vision. I kind of painted our vision, but it's not far away from where where Vistatech sort of thing is that you you kind of think as we do that it the the localization industry will evolve into much more tech oriented way of looking at the world. That's not to say, and we'll talk a little bit about probably sort of humans in the loop and where the human kind of elements stays in. But all around this technology and servicing how brands use technology, how brands think about workflow and all of those things require services, right? They require people to think about, you know, well, how do we design that into our system? Because I always think that technology is one answer to a problem, right? If you don't have the people, the right people in place, and you don't have the right processes in place, that kind of triangle of three things, the technology, you can have all the technology in the world, but if you don't have the right people to think about it, you don't have the right processes to, to use it in the right context, it's not going to work. So technology projects can fail because you don't have those three things in alignment. So I think it's a perfect partnership because we have this very, very shared vision. We also have a, a number of shared customers, obviously, um, which I think is really good. And, and the real thing is, I think, that you're bringing your expertise in the language service side of things and we're bringing our expertise in the technology side of things and that's a good co coalition if you will um, of, of two different ways of thinking about it that you're kind of people process side of things and we're kind of technology and process so the kind of things work together and i think the partnership's quite interesting from our side of things because you know uh, as one of our sort of partners you you will will have you know joint visibility on things we'll do things like this together we'll do more, we'll work more closely but we'll also you know partner with each other at certain accounts have certification programs where we both know exactly what each other are kind of doing um, in terms of you know your, your guys understanding the technology we have monthly cadences and qbrs so it's quite a tight-knit kind of um a, a, a partnership but really ultimately what we're trying to do is go out to market together and, and go to customers and say look fraser got an amazing suite of technologies that can be used in all this way we've got the services and people that you will need to help you do, deliver that and help you look at your language services and and, and the provision of those and, and that's where the, the the marriage kind of works really well i think and why it's an exciting partnership for, for both of us actually yeah, no, 100%, Jason. It's great. I was talking to Phil Ritchie, our chief technology officer recently, uh, who I knew, know uh, works closely with you guys. And, you know, Phil is a big proponent of VistaTech's technology agnosticism, providing the right solution for the right customer at the right moment in time. Uh, and it really does work well together in terms of that partnership that was recently sort of refreshed and, and announced uh, to the world. Um, so it's great to see that. And it, it brings me on to something that your phrase's chief executive officer stated recently. Uh, and the quote was that by combining these cutting edge technologies with VistaTech, uh, because VistaTech has this sort of wealth of expertise that you mentioned, this you know global content services space that VistaTech's involved in, we're sort of merging the technology and the experience to offer highly valuable localization uh, solutions to the shared client base. And your CEO yeah. also went on to say that 
as we enter, as we all enter this new era of localization, uh, it's centered around this harnessing, if you like, this transformative power of AI. Uh, and, you know, obviously it's a, it's a great opportunity for both companies. But the question I've got for you based on that is what, when it comes to this transformative power of AI, um, and you've, you've sort of built that into some of your brand repositioning of your, your services that you mentioned earlier. When it comes to that transformative power of AI, how do you see it, Jason, as the chief marketing officer? How do you see it continuing to impact your company and I suppose the wider language and localization industry as we move forward together? Yeah, I guess there's 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 probably two two sides to it, and one of which I've sort of alluded to. One 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 side is the customer side of things. So, and I don't mean our customers in terms of the businesses. I mean the businesses' customers. So, the end customer of any business. I think all all that will happen here is customer expectations will grow and grow and grow. So, businesses need to keep ahead of that, and it was already there. Like customer engagement, customer experience has firmly been a kind of board. Um, item on many you know AGM meetings or whatever saying oh we must you know continue to invest in customer experience and engagement as a way of profitably growing the business and our customer basis so I think one of the things is AI will just actually mean that people are expecting more of the brands and the, the experiences they have with those brands so it will also generate a load more content and, and I, I sort of alluded to that is it will and that will impact the language and localization industry hugely because there's more content to to be managed if you will and then if you think about and i talked a touch about that internal sides of the business whether that's legal teams or training teams or technical documentation teams or field services teams you know one of the key things will be how do you actually embrace the fact that they can generate their own content and how do you actually move it so that the if they're using generative ai to to do things like that and how do you build in workflow and procedure to make sure that you can localize that quickly and at scale and that's a huge thing so the diversity of content being generated daily now and in the future means that there's going to be much more demand i think for technology and content services to help people plan for that and execute around that so i think one of the things well, one of the routes I, I'm confident in is that localization will become a bit more ubiquitous than it is now. So it would be easier for people to have high quality localization. That's one of the key things. And that will be driven by AI and all the workflows that, that surround it and all the people that can, can help deliver that kind of program of change. It's a bit like when people talked about digital transformation. And we used to talk about digital transformation in my previous businesses, and it always used to be around the customer. And that's what this will be. It will be, how do I transform my localization to be all around the customers that are expecting things from us and also our internal customers? So um, I think that explosion of generated content will require effective use of AI. And um, that's probably why we prioritize as a business that AI, three pillars of our kind of future development is AI, so what are we doing in AI workflow? How are we building that into workflow and automation and, and scale? So how do we make this scale to handle lots of volume, basically? And that's how we prioritize our development. So that's really where the way we see the future, actually. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I, I think using that, again, that term transformative power of AI to help you scale and to help you with that, whether it's the internal or external customer, I think is is fundamental to everybody's ability to scale. And you also talked a little bit maybe about making 
some of this available to a wider audience too, which I think is definitely happening and growing at a pace. And people are really considering that. It's, it's much more of a topic of conversation now for many brands and organizations. Yeah. But look, I have to mention that at the time of us recording this episode of Vista Talks, uh, we've seen some very fast-moving news stories around things like OpenAI and Microsoft and everything that's going yeah. on there. But all of this is set against a backdrop, isn't it, Jason, of this continuing technology updates from many companies in the AI space. This really is a fast-moving technology landscape and story. Um, the discussion topic, however, that keeps coming up, particularly in the localization field, is about the human in the loop, this expert sort of human additional elements that you need for localization to provide expertise and those quality checks. And I'm interested in exploring what your view of this is as a chief marketing officer. I'm interested in your views. Where do you feel we're at with AI in this context? Because I've got some people saying to me, you know, engineers and chief information officers and CTOs saying, it's going to take over. It has the empathy. It's going to, you know, it's, we're only a short way away from it being able to do it better. And then you've got the other side saying, no, actually, that's not the case. You're always going to need an expert in the loop. You're always going to need a human hallucinations. And you get into that kind of an argument. What's your view on that as a CMO? So, so if I look at it two, two ways, and I'm not a CTO, I always think CTOs might have a vested interest in making everything look, look towards technology as the answer, right? But but that aside, my, my bias aside, I think today, I think there's a lot of noise, right? There's a lot of noise and there's a lot of uncertainty of how things are going. And you see it, you know, even down to sort of the news that's been in the news this week about people even, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty where, where certain chief executives are you know sort of thing so anyway but my point is i think there's a lot of experimentation i think there's a lot of noise in there and and, and we were really really sort of um thoughtful about how will it drive meaningful value and that's why we're kind of thinking about ai we're not releasing gimmicky stuff stuff we're really focusing down on the key things and one of the key things is, is that kind of dynamic quality stuff that i mentioned but also workflow and all of those things but i think people are experimenting and there is still a way to go I think as businesses start to achieve this sort of enormous scale and unlock all those new opportunities that we talked about, they're still going to need, for the time being, a percentage of humans in the loop. And I can see that going a long way. I don't see at the moment that it's going away very quickly. And I, and I, I think there's a degree of automation which will take over and, and quality will increase but I think there'll always be a percentage of human involvement as volumes grow. The, 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 the absolute quantum of human in the loop may, may vary, but there'll be so much more content that I don't think the human, you know, if, if the worry is, oh, there's never going to be any humans, I don't think that's coming. That's coming, right? Let's just put it out there. I think there will be still stuff for humans to do. And as content explodes, there may very well be more things for humans to do because there's lots more content to get through. But there will also be, and there's no denying this, um, quality will improve as LLMs and, and, and generative AI come, kind of come in and get we get used to it and it stops the hallucinations or it learns better and all of those kind of things. The key thing I think here is quality. Is if you can have kind of some kind of quality scoring mechanism, which actually you can really rely on and root things to the right place, humans in the loop 
by exception, you know, whatever that might be, does it need to go to a human? Yes, no, it's sufficiently scored, we're, we're confident. Then I think that's where it gets really interesting. And that's where the scale side of things can probably be, you know, the machine translation side of things. The fact is, I think probably humans will always sort of be in the loop. And by the way, probably humans will always be around for the process of, of, of deciding, designing the systems and maintaining the systems that are doing, you know, um, the, the automation, right? Because somebody has to build a workflow. Somebody has to think through how that goes. So there's a human in the loop from a technology deployment side of things, but there's also a human in the loop from, you know, the quality once it, you know, needs, some things will need a human's eye on, um, over time, that may, may lessen, but as I said, the content explosion means that that there'll always be, I think, you know, an, an, an element, and it may even be more than it is today, right? Yeah, and I, I think the quality uh, and the measurement, I think, as well, helps you decide that almost conditional logic, doesn't it? So thank you for sharing that. It's all, it's all I should say. Look, it's it's also, you know, it's difficult, difficult to predict this, right? Because things change, you know. I mean, I think everybody's kind of looking at, I, I think... You have to build for scale, which means you have to de deliver a certain element of automation and machine related translation. And that will get bigger. That's, there's no denying that. And the quality of that will get bigger. But you do have to sort of keep an eye on that. Ultimately, humans, you know, I think years ago, machine translation was going to take this 20 years ago, probably machine translation was going to take over the world. And it didn't. Right. So, I mean, it's there, but it didn't take over the world. So let's just I think. While everybody you know, in technology might be sort of saying, oh, yeah, it's all going to change. Yeah, yes, it will. But it probably won't be as nearly as quick. Uh, as yeah, the, 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 we're somewhere on that hype cycle, aren't we? And exactly. there's a lot of noise to your point, uh, how it all shakes out, how we all end up using it and how advanced it becomes versus what human roles are actually yeah. required because those are going to change too, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I think we'll probably talk about it in a minute, but it's, you know, it's, it's how do you use, how, how do we use it in our day-to-day -day jobs also? Like as, as, as you know, as marketers, we, I mean, it just changes everything, right? Yeah, it does. And I do want to talk about that because uh, as you may know, we, we recently completed, uh, we have something called the Think Global Forum that I'm involved in. And we've had a three-part panel discussion on things like AI, content and localization uh, but we also discussing the changing roles of people in the industry and I suppose from a marketing perspective it's always interesting to ask another CMO how they are using AI to sort of help and assist in their areas expertise as a CMO and also I suppose the second part of that question is um, what are you doing sort of at a personal level to help you stay on top of all these emerging trends, Jason. Okay, well let's 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 break that down into probably probably three parts, um, and we'll deal with first. I think look, the, the, how how do you how do you deal with it? I think there's a few places that I I, I kind of look. look. We we have regular team meetings as, as a team and we've actually had marketing hackathons which is kind of an interesting one from from our side and we did one a few months back where everybody went off we had a little briefing on you know how ai is coming into marketing and everybody went off and built you know a plan for how they were going to use it and we had things like um 
could you uh, mine the conversations you're having with customers to to kind of get out themes you know using using tools that record customer conversations now interestingly enough that kind of stuff you've got to be very careful of um of, of customer confidentiality which raises you know some questions around what tools you use in ai to extract information from your conversation with customers and where data privacy hits on that so some of those ideas they can come off however there were other ideas of how do you use you know um uh, avatars in terms of your product demos. We haven't actually put it in place yet, but I think it, there's, there's a really interesting one. How do you use it for content production? But I saw um, uh, the only, so we were looking at that and we actually do use a tool. It's called Byword for generating some content for us. It, however, we do actually have humans in the loop. I would never just put anything out that, that from a content point of view. I still think there's a way to go before I trust all of that to be exactly you know, and I'm probably not sure I ever would trust it, but maybe that's because I'm an old man, you know, but um, I think you do have to be be a little careful in in what you do. So we, we have this hackathon and we start using tools. So team members go away and, and research it and, and allow people the space to think about those things and stay up to date with, with trends. The other side of it, podcasts, you know, um, stay, stay abreast. I, I, I tend to think on, on my side of things, I think more about marketing strategy and I, I, there's a, there's a great, podcast called on strategy so staying up to date and sometimes that bleeds into sort of technology trends the other stuff specifically on marketing technology there's the martech weekly and scott brinker's um chief martech stuff that, that i think every technology marketer should probably stay abreast it does focus on martech more than anything but it does talk about generative ai quite hugely which i think is it, because it's having such an impact so and there's a few areas i think it impacts marketing so you've got the kind of across all the different stages of marketing i suppose in product marketing how do you gather customer insight you can use ai tools there um be again be wary about data protection all those things but it can help you gather customer data the other side is creativity you can use tools to start you off a lot of the tools i think in ai are great starting points you know i think you know i use gpt to pardon the plug but i use it quite a lot you know, just just as thought starters or asking a couple of questions or, you know, can you think of a headline for this or you the top 10 things for that? Or, you know, I'm thinking about this problem and it gives you a little prompt. Now, it <laughs> there's hallucinations we talk about. The answer could be different from today than it is tomorrow or whatever else. So you've got to take it with a pinch of salt, but they are useful productivity aids, I would say, in that sense. So there's creativity aids, there's productivity aids, there's production aids, you know, you can use it to, to cut video now and things like that. I really like the look of Adobe's Firefly stuff that I've, I've seen from a creative point of view. Um, and so, so I think that there's a huge amount. Again, I think in marketing, it's the same difference as it is in the localization industry. It's There's a lot of noise out there and you have to be really kind of careful and read and stay on top of things and devote a bit of time to it because i think every ceo in every business whether you're in localization or marketing or probably any others the question is how are we using ai to scale our business to streamline our operations to make us more productive and you have to have sort of a view or an answer on that so you have to, to, to stay on top of it I, I i really like the idea of some of the content generation stuff however i, I literally the team had told me like last week google are kind of looking at um what was it human first content or something like that it's like you're they're going to penalize you for um ai related content if, if 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 at all they can really see that which i suspect is pretty difficult but um the point is i think there is this 
as the hype cycle of anything comes, there's that see what do they gonna call it like a trough of disillusionment or something like that. Anyway, you go up the hype cycle and then everybody gets a bit like, oh, it didn't quite pay off exactly how we thought. So maybe, maybe we're sort of into that zone where you have to be a little bit careful with these things or or at least treat them with a degree of skepticism that there'll be answers to all your problems. I always think that in marketing, it's brilliant because and I'm sure you're classically trained marketers, same same as me. And I think training is really important, right? But you've got to stick to first principles. Do your marketing strategy first. Don't think technology is going to be the answer to every single problem that a marketing team faces. Because really, what you're really looking for is a mix. And you're looking for always a, a balance of activity and, and tools that you have at your um, disposal that are based on the sound strategy in the first place. So don't put the cart before the horse or the tech before the strategy um, when you're developing out marketing. I think there's so many tools that can help, but don't think they're all silver bullets for, for problems because there, there aren't any better silver bullets than having a decent strategy that's based on customer research, that's based on a deep customer understanding, and that's based on ultimately serving a customer need with your products and services. So it has transformative power to make us more productive is a really short way of looking at it. I, I'm like, just, but just be wary that it, there's no substitute for decent strategy there. I love what you're saying there, Jason, because you're right. There are some fundamental marketing components that do stand the test of time. And ultimately you're engaging with humans, uh, whether that's a machine trying to engage with a human or another human trying to engage with a human. And there are certain storytelling and certain elements within that that he, that resonate with human emotions and human culture and hum, you know uh, human aspects. So uh, I think that's a really really important point. And the other thing that you said that I really like is it is amazing. I've been having this discussion a lot with CMOs and and CEOs that you have to put aside time, don't you, to stay abreast of what's happening, and you have to almost carve out time. Because you, part of it, I think, at least in my case, is evaluating where you're going to spend your time because there is so much. There's a fire hose of AI information and noise coming at us now as CMOs. And you have to decide which areas you're going to look at and then also carve out the time to understand it and to evaluate its effectiveness in terms of, I love the marketing hackathon, by the way, too. Um, but the marketing tech stack is changing too, isn't it? The tools that we use. A lot of them now are already AI infused. Um, and, you know, the marketing landscape of the technology and the tools that we use has changed fundamentally. Yeah, I, so. I, I totally agree. I think I think the 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 if you're in marketing ops these days, that's a great place to be at the moment, I think, because technology is evolving so much that the operations team and the people who own the technology actually really are becoming valuable for, for sort of helping define that strategy but there is no as i said before there's no substitute for strategy so i'd also say it's, it's great to carve out time for thinking about technology but actually more important to carve out a bit of time to think about your strategy always and 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 i guess the big thing is the cmos are time poor people right and it's hard to do that but you've got to be sort of ruthlessly committed to sort of having a bit of time i'm not saying every day but you know you should at least once every month just have an hour or two where you think about are we on the right track what are we doing and you do kind of get wound up when you're at that executive table talking about the numbers and you know the the business growth and less about what are the strategic drivers and you just have to have that time and we're, we're not bad at that actually because we you know at, at management level we do quite a bit of that as well as with my team so anyway 
Oh, I like all that, Jason. Couldn't agree more. And look, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share with our worldwide audience today? No, not really. I guess I've I've talked a little bit about the um the the, the phrase suite, and I think you know um where we do this cadence every every quarter and we've got one coming up in early December. So watch this space for the next piece of um, news coming out, which will be all around those themes that I talked about, AI workflow and scale. But yeah, and um, if any of your um, you know listeners, viewers have any interesting questions they want to ask me, feel free to drop me a note on LinkedIn. But all good. Thanks, Simon. It's been really good. Well, listen, thank you. That brings us nicely to the end of today's show here on Vista Talks with Jason Hemingway. Please make sure that you tune in again and or listen to the next Vista Talk show where we'll be discussing more interesting topics with interesting people just like Jason. Thank you, Jason. Real pleasure to catch up with you again today. And you, Sam. Cheers. Cheers.